oddly enough, like Kentucky was kind of first on the release for all that sort of stuff, which rarely ever happens. Cooper's Craft just came out today. What the hell is Cooper's, Cooper's Craft? Craft? Cooper's Craft is the first new bourbon in 20 years from Brown Foreman. Huh. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's named after the fact that they have their own Cooper. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And welcome back to another episode of Bourbon Pursuits Podcast. Today, uh, we are actually in Indiana Southeast, and it's kind of uh, almost like a little bit foreign to us. Uh, Ryan, kind of tell us where we are right now. Yeah, we're at the campus of IU uh, Southeast. We cross the bridge. We typically don't do that. We typically stay in Kentucky where we feel safe and, <laughs> and love it. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I need a bath when I get home, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, we came here. I'm really excited about today's guest. Her bourbon resume is very lengthy and very uh Interesting. I think people, the guests will find it interesting as well. I think so too. So even with that, let's let's kind of talk about some things that just started hitting, right? Uh, so Booker's Rye and Elliott Select, they just started hitting in certain parts of the country. And honestly, this is I was floored to see this is that Kentucky was actually first on the list for for actually getting a lot of these. Uh, it was released at the Jim Beam Urban Stillhouse and even Four Roses Gift Shop. 
uh, within you know the first day, and then I haven't even seen them pop up around the country yet. Yeah, that's rare. Usually, we've always see it pop up on the message boards, you know, in different states, and you're like, "What the heck?" But yeah, I guess I've I've been really excited about this Booker's Rive. Heard really good things about it. I'm glad you got a bottle, and I'm hoping you'll open yours so I, <laughs> so I can save 350 bucks or whatever the price tag is. I got two of them. Right? Oh, see, so, perfect. Yeah, so you so. can. Yeah, we, we, well, you can make that happen. It's, it's the it's the typical thing, right? You always got to buy one, then you got to have a backup. But this one is since it's, I mean, it's amazing that this came out and it has such a high price tag. From what we know, talking to no Fred Noah on the last podcast was this is this was the last ride or the only ride that was done under Booker's watch. Um, it may may not be the only one that ever comes out, and it was certainly a very high price tag for it. So right now, it's it's one to open and then kind of just one to squat on and just kind of figure out what to do with it, you know, the next five years, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm I be, I'm starting to become more of a Rye fan, so I, I really want to try it. And, uh, you know, I love everything Booker, so I'm sure it just falls right in there with it. So, um, Well, you also had some other disappointing news you wanted to share, yeah, right? Yeah, the, the Michters said that they're not going to bring out the Toasted this year, which is kind of bumming to me. I, I really enjoy the Michters Toasted. It's a really good value for a limited release. It's usually around $50, $60, but I just thought it was one of their better releases. And it's just, I think this happened too with Four Roses and their, what was it, their limited edition small batch or single barrel? The the, single barrel, that's why they didn't have it in 2015. They just released Elliott Select for 2016, right? It's kind of getting frustrating as a consumer because you look forward to these limited editions every year and it seems like they're getting less and less and they're, I guess the the companies are just have so much demand for their, you know, staple products. They're probably focusing focusing on that, which I can understand. But as a connoisseur, I guess it's getting disappointing and frustrating that it's getting harder and harder to find these. I like it that you called yourself a connoisseur. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, (laughs) I guess I like to spend money on on expensive bourbon. That means connoisseur. So let's let's go ahead and let's introduce our guest. So today we have Susan Riegler. This is this is going to be quite extensive. So just just hold on to your seats real quick. Yeah. It's so Susan is an award winning writer. She's authored and co authored several books such as Kentucky Bourbon Country, The Essential Travel Guide, The Kentucky Bourbon Cocktail Book, The Bourbon Tasting Notebook, and Sweet and Savory: Finding Artisan Food and Beverages in Kentucky. She's a regional judge for the James Beard Foundation Restaurant Awards, a graduate of the Woodford Reserve Distilleries Bourbon Academy, as well as the Filson Bourbon Academy. She's also an executive bourbon steward certified by the Staven Thief Society and the Kentucky Distillers Association. And lastly, she serves as the president on the board of directors for the Bourbon Women Association. So basically, we need to hang out with you more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised I can sleep, actually. When do I have time to do that? When do you get all this stuff done? Yeah, that's a really great question. That sounds like I'm really busy. It it makes it sound busy. (laughs) Yeah, gracious. Well, hopefully the people here at IU Southeast don't don't listen to it because then they know (laughs) what you're wasting your time on when you're in your office. Oh, they're they're well aware. Yeah, yeah. No secrets here. Yes. So let's let's go ahead and kind of start at the beginning. So what what spawned all this love of affinity of bourbon that you have? Well, it helped to be born in Louisville, Kentucky. You know, that certainly didn't hurt, as a matter of fact. And I, I grew up around bourbon. Bourbon was not something that was exotic or new or, or flashy, or it was just, of course, part of the culture and was well aware of that. Uh, and it just turned out that when I was writing for the Louisville Courier-Journal in the 1990s, this was the time that bourbon started to make its comeback. And I was the restaurant critic, the food and beverage writer, and so my beat was bourbon. I was actually the first reporter to do a feature story on what Brown Foreman initially called their LeBro and Graham distillery, which they have since redubbed Woodford Reserve. And 
I just got to start writing about bourbon and re-educating people about it for the time when it was back on the upswing, which was great. You know, it was a great time to— It was good timing, right? Very good timing. That's that's the way like in life it all works. You got luck, good timing, and if those don't work out, you just have to dress nice. There you <laughs> that's go. That's what I heard. <laughs> So yeah. I, I guess another question with that is, well, I mean, what else kind of did you grow up with family that were in the industry or you just just happen to be surrounded by it? I mean, what? No, well, certainly it's something that you're aware of. Um, my father's hobby, you know, other dads had golf. My dad went to the races and every Saturday the Churchill Downs was having a meet in the spring and fall. Every Saturday of my childhood was spent at the racetrack. There's no TVG app. No, there are not anymore. No. And when I was five years old, my dad taught me to play chess and read the racing form. Perfect. Yeah. That was the beginning of my liberal arts education. And (laughs) bring you the track also. Oh yeah. But I actually, when I was three, he took me to Keeneland. That was my first time at the track, but going to Churchill Downs at that time, when you'd walk in to the racetrack, you know, it was way before it was, Know, prettied up and expanded and all that. It smelled of old wood, cigars, popcorn, and bourbon. You know, <laughs> that's what Churchill Downs smelled like. And so I was sort of always conscious of that of that smell. Of course, at age five, I didn't know what that was. But you know, later on, I certainly knew. And then I actually had the great privilege to be writing about bourbon and just really enjoying digging into the history, the heritage, meeting the people in the industry, which is so terrific because – I have never met a person at a distillery, whether they're the master distiller or somebody working in the uh, rickhouse uh, storing the barrels that just don't seem amazingly proud of what they're doing, right. which is pretty cool, which I think is why a lot of us are so impressed with the bourbon industry, really. I think that's why a lot of us are we're really getting into it, right? And I think that's a good question for you is how do you categorize yourself, right? Because you look at somebody like Mike Veach and you're like, okay, historian. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at some other people and you think like, oh, authors generalized. Like, how would you categorize yourself? Well, I mean, generally a bourbon author, but also I do a lot of Tastings. I lead a lot of tastings. I do them both uh, for charities and for private events. And um, I guess the word these days would be uh, bourbon authority. Um, oh, there you <laughs> go. I know it sounds very highfalutin, but uh, actually, as a bourbon steward, that's what that certification program is about, too. And so, essentially, somebody who just knows how to help other people really appreciate bourbon right. and appreciates its history, its heritage, and um, I've certainly written about a variety of aspects of bourbon, whether it's how to have a great bourbon experience when you come to Kentucky or just the background, um, the fascinating stories, not always entirely true, as we know, of a lot of the brands. Uh, and that's that's terrific. You know? well, let's talk about that real quick, because I think one thing that a lot of our listeners and that we found is that people, when they come in, you know, whether it's a bachelor party or just a 10th anniversary for a wedding and they come and they want to do the bourbon trail, they end up like binge listening to the podcast and trying to figure out like they want to learn <laughs> as much as they can before they get here. Right. So, so kind of talk about some of those things that, that you said, like if you're going to get the most out of the Kentucky bourbon trail, like what what would you put down First as like our book? Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you said that. So I didn't have to. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want you to do the shameless plug. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, the, uh, yes, the uh, shameless self-promotion yeah, right. moment, which would be to indeed buy Kentucky Bourbon Country, the Essential Travel Guide, coming in its updated second edition this fall, actually. Yes. But other than that, uh, certainly uh, Louisville Convention and Visitors Bureau has a really nice website that helps you explore bourbon country, as does, of course, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, which is a trademark copyrighted name. Um, So you don't get 
all of the distilleries, but you do get the ones that are members of the Kentucky Distillers Association. And um, obviously, all the distilleries have websites. But going to some of these travel sites um, that are maintained is a pretty good way to at least get a good introduction and overview and know that you don't have to travel hours and hours and hours. Uh, the nice thing is that you can visit a couple of distilleries in a day, get an idea of the different – Heritage, the different architecture, the different flavors of the of the bourbons, different um, cultures of those bourbons. All right, I'm and, gonna put you yeah. on the spot. You okay. got one day. Uh oh. Uh oh. Okay. What, which ones are you going to? Oh you boy. What's your ideal day? And I try <laughs> so hard to remain brand neutral, so of course I can't say all of them, can I? Well, okay. So where's your starting point? Are I you, guess in Louisville. You're okay. in downtown Louisville. You're in downtown Louisville. Well, I guess you give have us the, the best day on the east side and the best day, you know, south, I guess. Well, you know, if you're if you're in Louisville and you're in downtown Louisville, you can, of course, do the Evan Williams Bourbon Experience, which is right on Main Street. Uh, you can go to the uh, Bullet Frontier Experience at Stitzel Weller and do a little driving tour because to get there, you can go down past the Brown Foreman headquarters, see the 68-foot-tall bourbon bottle that's uh, atop the headquarters, the, the former water tower that's up there, which, by the way, would, if it held any liquid and if it held bourbon, could hold 12,800,000 shots of bourbon. Oh, wow. wow. Which would be a— That's one hell of a party. It is. It is. <laughs> I actually had somebody I told that once who say, well, that's a good start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you could do that, and you could sort of drive past some kind of historic bourbon sites, and you could do a pretty nice— Louisville experience. And of course, you have Peerless Distillery, which is one of the new craft distilleries, which is downtown. You can you can get a lot in, in Louisville in a day just if you're staying in downtown Louisville. And of course, check out the Urban Bourbon Trail and go to some great bourbon bars and do a lot of tasting while you're here. And so just a reminder, you can get that in her new book coming out in the second edition of the Kentucky Bourbon Country, The Essential Travel Guide. Your so check is in the mail, guys. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Exactly. So make sure you make sure you look at that on Amazon. Link those clicks. Yeah, right. we're going to get a $5 credit or something like that right now. <laughs> so I, I kind of want to switch switch gears a little bit, and I want to talk about food, right? Because okay. you know, you, you're a James Beard um, uh, judge. You've written books about finding the best – food that you can possibly get in Kentucky. So when was the last time you've actually eaten it like a red lobster? <laughs> I have never in my life eaten a red lobster. <laughs> no cheddar biscuits? <laughs> no cheddar biscuits. Okay, that's, that's But but I do love white castles. There you go. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got to have their 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 kind of shtick, right? Absolutely. So actually let's let's get a little bit serious. So let's talk about food and bourbon pairing, right? Okay. And I I want to ask and think, you know, do you think it pairs well together because sometimes I find that, you know, for me, if I'm eating, I don't really get to experience the full flavor of the bourbon because maybe I'm trying to eat like a pepperoni stuffed hot pocket and it just really doesn't, <laughs> you know, it doesn't really play very well. But uh, do, you, do you think that there's there's a marriage right there that could happen? Oh, there, there certainly are. Probably not with a hot pocket. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but there certainly are dishes that, that pair really well with bourbon. Uh, I don't think there is any way at all you could mess up a combination of bourbon and bacon in any form. I think that's one that you can really go for, uh, and that's that works pretty well. Uh, I can think of – in fact, you could do something like uh, pasta carbonara, which, of course, has – well, pancetta, but you can also make it with American bacon. And I think that would be pretty darn good with um, with a glass of bourbon. Mm -hmm. It would be really nice, and I think the, the bourbon would – it would, you know, they're just natural partners. The smokiness, the saltiness of the bur of the bacon, and you get that nice sweet character. But depending upon your bourbon, you might get a 
kind of a smoky, leathery, tobacco-y bourbon that could be really nice. Do you think it, it takes away from the experience of, of the full-bodied flavor of a bourbon or something like oh, that? I don't or? think so. I mean, you know, if you're – you're not worrying about pairing a wine with a di- – I mean, sometimes if you pair a wine with a dish, the wine will get wiped out by something you're eating, and that's why you're careful about pairing wines and foods. They're supposed to complement each other and enhance one another. And um, I've actually had uh, experiences where something um, – boy, again, something like a bruschetta with uh, you know, sort of uh, tomato and, and, and bacon and just a little spice. And boy, pair that with a um, – really full-bodied bourbon, you know, maybe a cask strength, but of course cut it with a little water to bring out all of its flavors, and they just kind of play off each other. It's like a wonderful culinary tennis match on your tongue. How about that? Yeah, and so we're getting ready to pull into the 4th of July weekend here. Ah. Kind of give us an idea that if, if you're going to be maybe grilling out. like is Barbecue there, and is yeah, there, yeah, I mean, is there, is yeah. there, is like, is a barbecue or steak or like, you know, Frank's hot dogs or something like. Well, what do you think is a, a good pairing if you're going to have a bunch of buddies over, okay. or a bunch of friends, and and you're going to be drinking and you know eating and stuff like that? And so you're talking about a bunch. So this means you are not pulling out your limited edition. Probably not. <laughs> no, right? probably let's, not. Let's say, it's, okay. let's say it's 15 of our closest friends. Okay, and we, don't, and we only Fair really enough. like three of them. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, I, ha- I have a, a couple of uh, bourbons that I always have as kind of my on hand. For a variety of occasions for a lot of people. One that is totally go-to, that makes great cocktails if you want to start out with some cocktails with your munchies beforehand. Old Forester, do a big old pitcher of Manhattans, makes a great Manhattan. That's Kenny's drink. Yes, it is. There, there right you there. go. It's really, really fine. And um, you can certainly do that, again, to go with your, you know, your nibbles, your bites, your stuffed mushrooms or whatever else that you've got. Um then I would say if you're grilling steaks, really fine bourbon to have with a steak is Old Granddad Bottle and Bond. There you go. And that's, you know how much that costs? About $17 a bottle, I was about right? i say that's my bang for the buck dollar. That right is there, definitely yeah. a bang for buck bourbon, yeah. And that, that gets, gets you a very long way with – makes a lot of happy people. And I think it's um, – and it even holds up to something like steak sauce. So and it also, of course, was Harry Truman's breakfast bourbon. Oh, really? you know that story? No, I don't. No, indulge. Us. Oh my gosh, this is this is a fabulous story, and you can actually indulge in this uh, at a restaurant in downtown Louisville. So, apparently, Harry Truman every morning would have uh, bacon, eggs, slice of toast, glass of milk, coffee, and a shot of Old Granddad bottle and bond, okay? and then he have his massage and he'd be off to work for the day. Okay? <laughs> Sounds like a hell of a start. <laughs> it, it's a great start. And, and if you go to the Dish on Market, Market Street in Louisville, on their menu, they have the President's Breakfast and you too can have Harry Truman's Breakfast. What about the massage? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> no massage. No massage. Gotcha. I think that's down the street. Yeah, yeah, Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. 
Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. I want to know, since you're a James Beard judge, uh, what are your top five restaurants in Louisville? (laughs) Now you want to get me in trouble with the restaurants here, too. I'm a big food guy, and I I have my top five. I'm just curious to hear your top five. If you were to come in town, where would you send? Boy, there's so many places. Um, Yeah, because usually when people ask me all the time, because they're coming in for the bourbon trail, and you know, not all the time. It doesn't have to be bourbon related, because if you're doing that for the bourbon trail, you might get just over-bourboned, right? I mean, maybe if there's a thing, but you might get burnt out at some point. And so people are always like, where should we go to eat? And honestly, I'm like, just look at Yelp and TripAdvisor. Those are some (laughs) of – they're usually on on point because, you you know, you've got a few different places on Bardstown Road, a few other other good places. But yeah, it's good to understand. Jack Fry's is always Jack Fry's is always good. Uh, certainly on the Urban Bourbon Trail in one of Louisville's oldest, most distinguished restaurants that's still going and is really great fun is Lily's Kentucky Bistro. Yes. And yep. it's part of the Urban Bourbon Trail. And, the, the, and Kathy she's Carey's, the James Beard winner, right? She is. And Kathy Carey's uh, grandfather was a founder of, of a bourbon brand, Kentucky Tavern. So that's there's a really good connection. All right, there's there. two. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. More. So we've got that. Um, I think ceviche is just Ooh, so really different. See, that's it's, my number one. Is it? I, I really that enjoy Jack ceviche. Jack Fry's kind of go yeah, back oh, and they're, forth. Yeah, they're, they're both fine. Um, if you want to go someplace that's um, a lot of fun and not expensive, uh, the Crescent Hill Craft House on Frankfurt Avenue, great draft beer selection. All the beers are Kentucky or Indiana microbrewery beers and what a great selection they have! Plus, they have a great selection of bourbon in a really good house, old fashioned. Nice. And but and they do um, locally grown food. They they do that as well, and they have some really unusual and good good dishes, but for not a lot of money. So um, that's good. Of course, you know, lots of good uh, spots. Village Anchor out in Anchorage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, they do a really fine old fashioned and a great menu. So. Yeah, and the ambiance is that cool there, too, the atmosphere. It's awesome. Yeah, and especially, you know, nice weather like now when you can sit outside and enjoy the— Not when it's 95 and 80 percent humidity. <laughs> no, <laughs> not not a good drinking of bourbon. That's weather. a pretty good five. I like your five. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Have we gotten up to five? You know, the problem is I can go on to oh, 50. Oh, I know. There's, yeah. there's, we are blessed. It's crazy, you know, how good of a food We didn't even get to New Lou. So, oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess another question to follow up with the James Beard uh, being a judge there— uh, give us give first off let's let's give our listeners uh give them an explanation of what James Beard awards actually are because oh, not, sure. not everybody might be familiar with it right well uh, the the James Beard um society what it does is um honor 
top food people around the country, food and beverage people. It's really sort of the Oscars of restaurants and beverage. And of course, James Beard was a very well-known American chef. And this institute was founded, um, this foundation was founded in his honor, and their headquarters is out of his former house in Greenwich Village in New York. And they invite chefs from all over the country to come and cook their specialties. Oh, gosh, I think it's, I want to say five days a week that they do this, but they give annual awards in um, for chefs of all different stripes. They might be you know, just executive chefs, but also pastry chefs um, uh, for food journalism, uh, for beverage professional, professionals. In fact, uh, Julian Van Winkle won a James Beard Award a few years ago for his contributions to the uh, beverage industry as a wine and spirits professional. I think that's the category <laughs> that he won in. And several other um, Kentucky bourbon people have been nominated for Beard Awards. So it's, um, it's a very, very prestigious thing. As I said, it's the Oscars of the food world in America. And so how did you become about. a judge of that? Um, I was invited by another judge, which is how you have – to do that, uh, and it was when I was working as the restaurant critic at the Courier Journal. They look for people who have knowledge of their region uh, and what's happening. Okay, and, so yeah. you were a food judge. You got a master right? palate. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. <laughs> so I guess give give everybody an idea of what it's like to be a judge going into this because I could imagine it would be like going to a barbecue competition in like Texas or Kansas where everything oh, is just I see. off no, the wall. No, well, no, actually uh, we make nominations – based upon uh, places where we have eaten. So it's not like they line all this food up at one time and we have to, to do anything about it. This is based upon years of experience, which is why they choose people who they think already have a good knowledge of the food scene in a particular region. So, And I pretty much covered the state um, for the Courier, and I still do, uh, still do quite a bit of food writing uh, online, and I've just started doing a some food writing for Leo Mag, you know, Leo Weekly in Louisville, the which is Louisville a, eccentric observer. Yeah. It's a it's a local uh, magazine that you can get kind of around here in Louisville for anybody that's that's coming through. And or free. go to leoweekly.com and you can get it online. There Absolutely. you go. Cuz cuz who gets print anymore, right? So. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's shift gears back to to bourbon. You kind of mentioned earlier like being an executive bourbon steward, but I want you to go a little bit deeper into that and kind of what that entails um as as having this sort of title. Mm -hmm. Well, ha having the title simply means that if somebody wants me to um, conduct a bourbon tasting, that they should know that I should know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's that's the purpose. Smoke. That's yeah. right. That's the purpose of the program. Like yeah, you just didn't hire Ryan to come <laughs> yeah. up there and be like, "Where's where's all the dusties?" <laughs> that's right. There you go. And yeah, how do how do I get those limited edition bourbons? Yeah, fake. yeah some of our favorite questions. Um, so in you know, doing tastings for people basically is this sort of – it depends on what they want. You know, do they want bourbon basics? I've had, had a professional organization uh, call me the other day and say, we really want to do a bourbon tasting at our annual conference. Um, our newly elected president really likes bourbon. But what what does a bourbon tasting entail? And I said, well, it depends on what you want. You know, do you want um, – a bourbon basics of here's what bourbon is, and we start with the whole business about, you know, it has to be 51% corn, et cetera, et cetera, something that, of course, all of your listeners know already. Or do you want to explore a particular category of bourbons? Do you want to try all bottled in bond and talk about and talk about the history of the bottled in bond act? Do you want do you want to do something really bourbon geeky or do you want to do something really bourbon basic? And just or just simply take people through how do you get the most out of Tasting a bourbon and the whole process of nosing and tasting and judging the finish and 
giving people some uh, some vocabulary to use <laughs> to describe what they're tasting. So it just really depends on what somebody wants. So you do yeah. this a lot. What are and you said you get some of those questions like how do we get our hands on Pappy or whatever it is, right, right? Right. But what what are some of the other questions that are pretty common and and some of those answers that maybe you could you could oh. dispel for some of our listeners. You know, it's remarkable to me even in Kentucky the number of people who do not know that bourbon does not have to be made in Kentucky. That's that's a really common misperception, and nor do they. Maybe often. we have a we have a bias. Right? We have a bias, <laughs> and we can certainly say that ninety five percent of bourbons made in Kentucky. So it's that's better. fine. No. Yeah. <laughs> and and you guys were a little had a little trepidation about being in Indiana, but of course there's uh, MGP yeah, uh, in Lawrenceburg, in Indiana, and they they make a lot of bourbon, and they make a lot of good bourbon. So in the Roz too. Yeah. Yep. yep. Absolutely. So. Um, that's always interesting. You know, people think that it has to be made in Kentucky. Say no, no, but it is a distinctly American product, and so we talk about that. Um, sometimes, really, not even understanding that uh, bourbon is whiskey. You know, and again, the bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskeys These are, are bourbon, bourbon, right? Yeah. So th- those are some of the sorts of things um, that I go with, and then sort of asking about, um, you know. The color, the flavor. Uh, one of my favorites is, you know, when can you actually call the distillate bourbon? And you know, I get the two years, and I say, no, as soon as it touches the wood, it's it's bourbon. Uh, so some of the sometimes I get you know manufacturing questions, sometimes I get history questions, and sometimes just the very basic, you know, oh, uh, and of course the perennial favorite, why is it called bourbon? And we, of course, anybody we is in on the bourbon tasting circuit have to say. Well, we don't really know. <laughs> we, <laughs> we have some myths. ideas. We have many myths. We have many stories. We have some pretty good clues, but we don't really know. So let's talk uh, quickly about your, your Kentucky Bourbon Cocktails book, too, mm-hmm. because uh, I actually have this. I actually have the, the first oh, edition of Thank it. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, I made the peach-infused um, – I think it was a Manhattan in there uh, ah. where I actually had to get peaches, put them into a mason jar, soak them forever, right. all right. this other kind of stuff. Right. right. So kind of talk about the, the book and what it entails. Okay. Well, that this was actually um, – the background on this, I think, is really a lot of fun. Uh, again, I was writing at the Courier Journal. I had a weekly column uh, called um, "The Drink," you know, it's very poetically named, <laughs> and I wanted to call it "Sippage," but that was far too uh, poetic <laughs> for for the newspaper. Uh, and I, my job was to go around every week and find a really interesting drink to write about for my column. And so sometimes it was a wine, sometimes it was a cocktail, sometimes it was a craft beer. Um, I even once talked about the uh, Italian sparkling mineral water from Whole Foods because it's a really great deal. And and I had readers going, why are you writing about water? I said, never mind. Okay, I won't do that ever again. I was just trying to provide a little balance here, but, you know, that's not what they wanted. Ran out of drinks to write about. Well, you, you really can't, I don't, I don't think. And one of the outstanding drinks to me um, were the very creative bourbon cocktails that Joy Perini at Jack's Lounge in Louisville was making. And – As soon as I left the Courier-Journal and it wouldn't be a conflict of interest, I went to Joy and I said, your bourbon cocktails are so good because you can taste the bourbon in them. That's number one requirement, of course. And boy, you wouldn't believe how many bourbon cocktails you cannot taste the bourbon in. You can taste the bourbon and they're good. They're not too sweet. They're just really creative. And she's won multiple awards for her cocktails. I said, you really need a book of recipes. And she said, well, I've thought about that, but – you know, I, I really don't write or have time. And I said, 
you give me your recipes and I'll turn You're them like into I do. I'm a teacher. <laughs> yeah. I have plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You know, well, you got the whole summer. <laughs> that, the whole summer. Yes. Well, well, students are taking their tests. I mean, and actually, um, she handed me a stack of ruled note paper with all of her recipes written in pencil, and I organized them, wrote stuff about them, turned it into a book, which is why we're co-authors on on the book. Um, and that's how we got the Kentucky Bourbon Cocktail Book, which is now in its almost to be in its sixth printing, has sold tens of thousands of copies, and we have volume two more Kentucky bourbon cocktails coming out in August. So. As if as if you weren't drunk off the first That's one. Right. Yeah, yeah. If, if you were really looking for some more ideas, by golly, we have more ideas, more of Joy's recipes, and also recipes from uh, a lot of uh, guests, uh, some of the distilleries, some of the bars around uh, Louisville and Kentucky, and even as far away as um, Bowman Brothers in Virginia, because I ran into their yeah. master distiller at a yeah, bourbon Bowman festival Brothers. in Virginia. Yeah, it's, it's really good stuff. stuff. It so is. what are some of your favorites? hate to keep asking you that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're, you're killing me. You're here. the wow. James Beard, you know, Judge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think the one that first caught my attention is the one that's on the cover of the first cocktail book, and that's called The Bourbon Ball. And it's made with Woodford Reserve and Tuaka, which is a sort of a vanilla-flavored liqueur. used to be owned by Brown Foreman. They recently sold that. Uh, and a little bit of creme de cocoa, dark creme de cocoa, and it tastes like a very alcoholic bourbon Rattlesnake. ball. Rattlesnake. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bourbon ball. It's, bourbon it's, ball. it's nice. uh, certainly appropriately named, and it's delicious. Now, it's more of – that's – with the creme de cocoa and the tuaca, it's definitely more of an after-dinner bourbon cocktail. But um, that's that's certainly, I think, one of Joy's – crowning achievements. And then her ginger snap is the uh, cover of the second book. And that one is is made with a ginger syrup and some lemon juice and bourbon. And it's really refreshing, really good. It's a great summer cocktail. Well, we could ask Joy about this. And we actually had uh, Chef Edward Lee on, on the podcast oh, previously. Yeah, you should talk and, to Joy. Absolutely. And, and, and he, he said that Really, once you get over like almost like four to five ingredients in a cocktail, past that, it just becomes too complex. Oh, it's like, crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, what, do, you, do you kind of agree with his theory on it that it needs I, to be too? It needs to be super simple. I totally agree. In fact, if you look through the book, you'll see that there, you <laughs> yep. you you have very simple ingredients. Um, you know, think about it. It's like DNA. There are only four nitrogenous bases, right? Only four different <laughs> little chemicals. Way over our head right now. And that's like that's like the alphabet of all the genes that make you, and there are only four of them. Right. Okay? So it's like the ultimate information storage system. So why would you need more than four or five ingredients in your bourbon cocktail, right? Right. And I I recently um, judged a bourbon cocktail contest, and it was fascinating because I was all about the, hmm, can I taste the bourbon in this? And look at this. I could actually probably replicate this because – Hmm, I don't have to do the extract of the endangered herb that they harvested <laughs> from, you know, the tallest mountain in North Carolina or wherever. It thought this is just way too elaborate. Way out there. Way out there. I thought, you know, keep it simple. And the one that I really, really liked, alas, it didn't win because I was overruled by my other judges, was a Manhattan that was made with beer syrup instead of vermouth. Hmm. Boy, was it good. And it had, what, three ingredients. It was outstanding. Wow. Yeah. But unfortunately, it didn't win. Yeah, it's okay. So <laughs> let's – But let's, I tried. Boy, I really 
really push, <laughs> push the case. Yeah. So let's let's start wrapping up because we're reaching the top for, for this episode. And I, I kind of want to ask you this because this came from Harlan Wheatley in episode two. We've talked about it uh, in another one with um, Mike Sani. Mike from, Sani from Heaven Hill. Okay. And and the theory was that women have a better palate than men. Okay. So kind of kind of talk about that, right? Because even before we started recording, you're like, yeah, there's scientific yeah, proof. Here's the article. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, in science, we call it evidence, but uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, that's quite right. Yeah. If if you're doing geometry, you do proofs. But uh, again, that's my science geekiness coming to the fore. Yes, actually, there are uh, excellent scientific evidence having from studies of, um, unfortunately, of dissecting the brains of dead people. But what it shows us is that women actually have a much larger olfactory bulb that's the receptor in their brains to perceive odor, which, of course, is 95% of our sense of taste. And, of course, if it's actually 43% larger, there are 50% more neurons that connect that to the smell receptors in the brain. And essentially, most women, and again, this is an average, most women can taste more, com- more complex range of flavors than most men. Now, there are people of both sexes who are super tasters, so-called super tasters, and there's certainly people of both sexes who have really dull palates. But on average, uh, women are uh, better tasters than men, which is why there are women on predominantly on the tasting panels at the major distilleries. Yeah, that's that's what we found so interesting. And historically, not just today, but it's been for a very long time. Well, it's actually good to kind of get the uh, the scientific evidence behind it now instead of just saying, uh, yeah, this is just what we do so because girl, this is what we girls heard. Roll, boys roll. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. But uh, Susan, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show today. This was fantastic. Total we're gonna, pleasure. We're going to have you coming on again real soon talking about the Bur- Bourbon <laughs> Women's Society. Uh, and and we're, thank you again for coming on. This was fantastic to learn uh, everything. Uh, go ahead. Give everybody a plug for how you can find your books, buy them, and when they're coming out. Well, if you live in Louisville, I'm sure you can get them at our local bookstores, uh, including Carmichael's and other independent dealers. But you can also, if you're outside of Louisville uh, – it's they're all on Amazon.com. So just put my name in the search engine and they'll they'll all pop up. Okay. And then one of the new editions starting to start rolling out. The uh, new uh, second volume of the Bourbon Cocktail Book will be out in August. And the updated edition of the Bourbon Country Travel Guide is coming in September. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can like us on Instagram and Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Make sure you please, if you like what you hear, support us on the show. Go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-E-N-E-O-N.com slash bourbon pursuit. We got to pay for the guys to come across the bridge to Indiana, <laughs> you know, so definitely. I, I hope you guys drop breadcrumbs so you can find your way back. Yeah. Right. All right. Hansel Good. and Gretel it. Uh, no, definitely appreciate all the support and keep the, you know, show suggestions, feedback, comment. We'd love it. So uh, we'll, we'll see you next time.